get a phrase on the board. Get a phrase on the board. And so, I mean, not Wheel of Fortune, not Hangman necessarily, but somebody give me a letter. Somebody give me a letter. H? No. I'm going to be so bad at this, by the way, too. Uh, yes, absolutely. I'm so bad at this kind of stuff. OK. Yeah, OK, OK. R. What? R? R and E? R and E. So. Wait, what'd you say? R? R. You said E. I think we're good. I think we're good. Wait, T? T's? 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 No, there's no T's. M? M and F? M and F? Okay, so you guys got this part. Okay, fine. America. Again. Okay, here's what you're missing. K? <laughs> yeah, right. Dude, who... Everybody who should be president doesn't want to be president. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of how it goes, really. I mean, true story, true story. It's like, no, I don't really want to do this. But we're going to focus on this word kind, so that's why I threw it up there. I figured that would be a good thing to do. Um, I was going to tell you a brief little story that almost has nothing to do with anything, but kind of. I always make those weird jumps, you know? Um, I remember going to this wedding, of course. All my stories lately are about weddings. But I went to this wedding, and it was at the Hot Springs. And Ann and I went, and we actually stayed the day before. And I did the rehearsal. And then, oh, side note, that night they gave me their rings because they were so terrified that um, they were gonna lose their rings or something. And I was the dumb guy that was like, sure, give them to me. <laughs> Never been so stressed out uh, in my life, like all night long. I'm like, well, I can't put them in the car. What if somebody breaks into the car and says, I've gotta bring them into the room. What if someone breaks in the room, kills me and takes their rings? Like then they're out rings and an officiant. Like this is gonna be a horrible day for them. Like it's all bad, but had the rings, did a great job, kept them, all that good stuff. Anyway, um, hung out in the hot springs on the day of the wedding, right? So Ann and I are chilling in the hot springs doing stuff, and then I'm like, ah, it's probably time to change. I should probably get into some nicer clothes and clean up and that kind of a thing. So I clean up, and I run out to my car in the parking lot, and I grab my suit and stuff, and I bring it back in. And I'm just changing in there, and I'm doing my thing, just so you know how Phil gets dressed and all that. So it's like I get the shirts on, I get everything going, and then like I look and there's just no suit pants. And I'm like, there's no suit pants. How's there no suit pants? And so you do the thing where you, I brought one of those garment bags, kind of. You know what I mean? And I'm like, <sighs> so I like check in the garment bag, garment bag, no suit pants, whatever. And then I'm like, what is going on here? I like switch, I grab in the bag several times, check the bottom. You check it like ridiculously. Like, like it's, they're going to appear, but they're never there every time I check. I'm like, this is nuts. So I started thinking through the rest of my wardrobe. What could I get up in front and still look pretty decent, you know? I mean, I, 
I dress okay, but like, I mean, it's not a suit. And so I'm just like, what is going on? And so then I retrace my steps. This is like 15 minutes after I've been panicking and checking the bottom of the bag several times. And I go out and my suit pants are laying in the parking lot, like right outside my car. And they were just there. I was like, this is, this is amazing. Like, I can't believe I just found my suit pants. This is great. I knew I brought them. And then, so anyway, I'm laughing it up, and then I'm hanging out with the groom just right before the ceremony, you know? And we're talking, and we always try and, I try and connect with the groom in some kind of a way that we can, like, laugh and stuff beforehand. And I'm like, you'll never guess what happened to me today. Like, I totally thought I didn't have suit pants <laughs> for your service, like, for your ceremony. Like, hilarious. Dropped them outside, found them, like, you know, 30 minutes later after I've been freaking out and just going nuts. He goes, the same thing happened to me. Like, one of my groomsmen brought in the suits, and when they got it in here, the suit pants weren't with it, and I was freaking out. And we went back outside, and we found them laying on the ground. <laughs> I was like, are you making this up? And he's like, no, man, I'm for real. Anyway, some of the most comforting, some of the most comforting words in the English language, me too, that happened to me. Oh, yeah? Oh, so right here, you know what I mean? Like, it just has some kind of power. And I love being able to get up here more to life and tell stories and connect and for people to feel that kind of a connection. And then for you also to be able to take those connections and share those with other people. Because we're not all that different, you know? Like, I always used to do this talk with students, and it was all about like finding the least common denominator in humans, because they learn that kind of stuff in math. But then for people, we somehow like blank out on that thing, and we start pointing at all these differences and all these differences. And it's like, yeah, but we have more in common than we ever, ever dare to think about. Like, we really do. And when we can focus on that kind of stuff, it brings us together. So I just wanted to lead with that goofy story tonight um, and to throw out the word kind. Make America kind again, kind again. What? Oh, the rings. I had them. We made it work. It was all good. No. Only time I've ever lost a ring, and I shouldn't say I lost the ring. I should say the groom lost the ring. Um, we were standing up at the Lodge of Breck. Lodge of Breckenridge, right? Beautiful deck. Amazing spot. Pretty decent gaps between the timbers you're standing on. And so I had the rings in my hand. And here's what I do. This is my kind of method, process. I have the rings in my hand cupped like this, and I make bride and groom pull them out of my hands. Because we're not going to pass this thing. It never works. When we start doing this kind of thing, it gets really bad. So I'm like, here. And I told him, and I was like, groom, take this ring and place it on her finger. And so he grabs it, and he's got it between his front finger and his thumb. And he goes to put it on, and he just like, I don't know, what happened? He dropped it. And no, no noises, anything. It was, it was seriously impressive. You couldn't have done this ever again. All three of us, all three of our heads just go <laughs> like this. And it goes straight through. It doesn't bounce. It doesn't hit anything. It like was magic. It was just boom, straight through. And everybody in the crowd gasped. It was that collective. <gasps> and then I look up. <laughs> and I go, well, I didn't see that coming. And then the groom, oh, he just killed it. He, he's standing right here on my side, and he goes, 
can I borrow someone's ring? And like 10 women are just like dying to get their ring up there first. You know what I mean? It was so funny. We didn't drop the second ring. And then we said uh, afterwards, we were like, 50 bucks to the first kid who can find the ring. And they found it like in 10 minutes. It was easy. We found it. It was perfect. Anyway, you know, weddings have a lot of expectations that roll up into them, you know? And people are, like, are thinking for some reason, for some reason, I don't know what it is. Perfection doesn't exist anywhere in the world. We have the word. We don't really know what it means because it's not there. But then when a wedding comes up, people believe somehow, magically, on this day, it's going to happen. And it doesn't. And it never does. It's no different from the rest of your entire life. It's always plan B. Always plan B. Plan A, just what? Do we even know what that is? Like, other than an idea? Like, it's just not there. So anyway, all right. Oh, that was a good segue. But let's pull this back. So I recently, I had, uh, had a meal with Daniel Chapman. Hey, what's up? He's in the back. And he was like, hey, you, you talked about the Redwood Forest this one time, and you talked about, like, thin spaces. He's like, what did you really mean by that? And I was like, yeah, I didn't probably explain that the best. Um, <laughs> I just kind of said something about, like, oh, yeah, there's these thin spaces, and when you get into those thin spaces, they're awesome. And he was like, what? what were you talking about? I'm like, oh, yeah, let me back up. So I wanted to do it for you guys, too, just because I feel like there's a lot of layers to life, and I feel like there's a lot of distractions to life. But I do feel like there are certain spaces that you step into, and I feel like the truth, the reality, and the depth of life becomes very clear. And so like whatever's layered up or whatever's distracting us, I feel like you can step into some spaces and they're thin. Thin in the sense that I can see everything that really matters now. I can feel everything that really matters in this space. It feels thin. It feels like it's in touch with what's really meant to be. It feels like if there's truth, like I felt like I found it in that redwood forest. You know, like there was something about being in that space with those trees and everybody having this kind of sacred reverence for this place. No one throwing litter on the ground. Everybody just being kind of quiet and still. And it just felt like this thin space. Whereas like I can go in other places and it feels pretty pretty thick. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I don't think I'm ever going to see like much here. But I wanted to bring that up because I also feel like there are experiences and practices that we can do or like be a part of as humanity that allows us to make places thin. Right? Like so Honestly, like, I was watching this show. I don't know. I'm not even going to say what it is because you, you guys will be like, oh, Phil, you've got horrible taste in, in shows. Um, but I was watching this show, and this guy, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you later. Uh, I'll text it to you, and you'll be like, oh, awful. Um, but this one guy was saying he had gone to his therapist, and the one thing he had said is, I can create a place of safety anywhere I am. And I kind of feel like that about us. I feel like that we can create a thin space anywhere we go, wherever it might be, through experiences and through certain practices, and especially this word, kindness. This is the word we're going to focus on. This isn't going to be like a mind-blowing, earth-shattering like talk tonight, because I'm going to talk about the word kindness. But I'm telling you what, this is a practice that when you experience it, 
And when you also practice it, you create those thin spaces. Suddenly, like things can shift. Suddenly, cracks can like come through all the layers, and you can like just step into a space where you understand, no, this is like what it's really about, though. This feels so true, so right. Now, the word kindness, I don't know, like I wanted to define it if we could. Like, if we could like throw, do you guys have any like good? I mean, you could do word association for me, you could give me a phrase. You could give me something, but if you had to say like kindness is, what would you even say? Because that's a tough one. You know, like, I mean, I immediately think of all the experiences I've had. Like that's what floods into my memory and I can't like put a definition with it. But I found a good definition today. Someone like posted something and I was like, boom, how'd you know I was gonna see that today as I was writing this, what? But anyway, so I've got it. But anybody, kindness for you, what it means or what it is? Caring for your fellow man. Caring. The word care. It's a good one. My mind goes directly to the golden rule. Golden rule. What's the golden rule? Treat people the way you want to be treated. Generosity of spirit. Generosity of spirit. Yeah. Totally, right? That just <laughs> it was good, Anne. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> Go well. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking of, you know, kindred because, you know, it's kind of a Hebrew word, you know, and kindred spirit and it's connection. Yeah, yeah, kindred. It's kind of like you feel like it's in there somehow. Listening. Connection. Listening. Definitely listening. Compassion. Compassion. Oh, one of my favorite words. <laughs> it's almost like treating someone like they're a dear friend, even if they're a stranger or an acquaintance. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, yeah. I mean, you can interact with someone and just be polite, but I feel like kindness is like a little bit more like you're, you're, you care more about them than yeah. maybe you know of them or, you know, like you're not as close as you are, but you treat them like you love them. I, don't know. Hmm. I like it. So this person today, she, um, a Sky alumni mom, and she posted kindness, noun. Loaning someone your strength instead of reminding them of their weakness. <laughs> right? I just thought I was like, all right, forever, I'll keep that. Boom. All right, I got it. Loaning someone your strength instead of reminding them of their weakness. Um, so the segue into this is really that I've been watching this goofy series on Netflix called The Kindness Diaries. Um, don't know if you've seen it. Hands, anybody? Anybody seen it? Oh, Anne's seen it because I made her. Um, you guys haven't seen it, so this is great. You don't even know what I'm talking about. I love it when this happens. Okay, so here's this guy, and I don't even know where he came from or why he's doing this, but apparently there's two seasons, but there's only one available on Netflix, and it's season two. So this is his second trip, and he decides to drive a V-dub old Beetle, like it's like an 80... I don't know, maybe it's a 70, I don't know, 74 yellow V-dub beetle convertible from the tip top of Alaska all the way down to the bottom of South America. And he's only going to rely on the kindness of people to get him there. So what does that mean? That means that he can't accept money from anyone because money isn't 
kindness in his book. He doesn't, he doesn't bring any money, and he just goes. And he's got a film crew, you know what I mean? So there's some safety there. I always like watch some of these shows with a grain of salt, and you're like, yeah, yeah but you got like four guys with you. They're driving behind you in a car, and you know. But anyway, but he does have stuff. He's got like a tent, and he's got some other things. But he sets out, and that's his idea. Now, when I first mentioned it to Ann, and when I first mentioned it to my mechanic, they both said, yeah, I don't know. That just kind of sounds pretty. I mean, when you've got the means to eat and stuff like that, and then you start bumming off of other people, like, I mean, I don't, that just doesn't. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not what this show is. Like, you've got to watch it to get in the right frame of mind. This guy is trying to figure out if kindness still exists. And sometimes some of the biggest hurdles to kindness, ex kindness existing is our ego, our pride, and our own self-reliance and the things that we can do for ourselves. And we never even have to what? Ask. So he puts himself in a position of having to ask, having to need, having to rely, having to be dependent upon other human beings to see if it's out there. And episode after episode, it's still out there. And when you see it in action, man, it's such a good thing. Now, I'm going to get you guys hooked because I want you to go watch it, of course. You guys are going to have to go check it out. And you got to hang with it until at least like the third, the third episode. You know, everything's always slow at the start and whatever, but it really gets going. And then what he doesn't tell you at the beginning is he's also got the power to give back in extraordinary ways when he feels like he can or he should. And so he'll like meet several people and he'll have to get gas filled in his car because he's driving this whole way. So he has to continually get people to fill his car up with gas. He has to get places to stay for the night. It's so funny because he'll be like, so can I stay at your place tonight? And people are like, uh, no, you can't. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? But eventually someone says, absolutely, come stay at our house, you know? And then if he really gets connected and he really feels their story, he gives back in some crazy, extraordinary way. He bumps into this one girl and... Um, He's like, can I stay at your house? And she's like, well, uh, let me call my fiance and have you meet him and let him see if you're a good guy. And then maybe we should go out to dinner. And then after that, maybe you can stay at her place. So then they do all of that, you know? And it's like extraordinary to watch them talk and interact and all this fun stuff. And then eventually he figures out what she does for a living and how she grew up and what her goals in life are and what her dreams are. And then he just sits in front of her and he says, so I haven't been totally honest with you. And that's when people's eyes like, what, 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 what? And so he says, I have the ability to give back when I find people that are like just walking, living, breathing demonstrations of kindness. And so what I want to do is I want to pay for you to go anywhere in the world to like experience what you need to experience. Because she was talking about all these dreams that she wanted to do. <clears throat> And then he said, and then when you come back after that trip and after those travels, I want to help you start the school that you have inside your heart that you want to, like, make happen for these inner city kids. And she just, like, breaks down. You know what I mean? She's like, can't even believe this is real. Can't believe this is happening. But the whole series is such a feel-good thing. And I keep 
I keep watching it because I've told Anne, I feel like I'm getting a little jaded. I feel like I'm losing some of the kindness that I once had inside of my heart. I feel like my schedule gets a little busy. I feel like things get a little out of control. Um, And before you know it, I've gone through my day, and I haven't really been kind like I can be kind. Like I have it in me to be kind, because it's in there. But man, some days it just doesn't make its way out, right? And so I wanted to talk about kindness tonight here because I've been watching Netflix and this whole kind of series. I've had a couple of lessons come up that I wanted to share with you guys as I've been watching the series. And the first one is just about traveling in general. Um, It's pretty cool because this guy travels and he feels like it's his thing to travel. And I've always kind of been like, man, but if you travel, you don't get that sense of local community. You know, you're just kind of always on the go. But for him, travel is something completely different. And so I just wanted to highlight it. He says this quote from Mark Twain that I had never heard before until I saw the series. And it says, travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. And many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. And as he travels and comes into contact with people, you watch that happen. These connections take place. Now, traveling sometimes takes money. In his case, it takes none. (laughs) But, like, most of the time, like most of us, like, it's a daunting task sometimes, and you have to fork over some, you know, dollars and cents to make it happen. So I was thinking just about the idea of your world expanding in a way that can also help with all of those things that Mark Twain said. Because I find that a lot of people nowadays, I mean, I don't know if any of you guys did this on the way here tonight, but you slapped on your coat, you slapped on your hat, you stepped outside, and you second-guessed if you wanted to come to More to Life tonight like six degrees and you were like I don't know (laughs) like the car is cold I don't know what I could stay home I could watch I could snack I could you know but it's pretty cool when we step into places that put us with other people that like allow us to interact especially with people that are different than us and we get a different kind of perspective and a different view from a different angle That's like necessary for us. And I believe that that is a form of kindness. I think that's being kind to yourself and being kind to other people. Something Ian and I have tried to do more of this year, not by any stretch of the imagination, like a a lot, but we've tried to have some people over for dinner again. We used to do this all the time. All the time, I felt like. I felt like I had it demonstrated to me from my parents I felt like every weekend and like at least once during the week, someone was coming over to our house for dinner or we were going to someone's house for dinner. It was like normal. And I felt like we did that a lot. And I felt like we've just been slacking off and slacking off. It's easier not to, I promise. But man, when we've had people over recently, the conversation is so good. The connection is so good. The feeling afterwards is so good. And then past that point, you're like, man, we should do that again. (laughs) We should have some more people over and just sit and talk because we don't really know them that well. 
And this helps so much. So my first lesson from the Kindness Diaries, because he also shares a lot of meals with a lot of people, is expand your horizon and your connection with people. Have some people over for dinner. Accept the invitation to go over to some other people's house. This used to be a really sore point for me because I used to be a tremendously picky eater. And now I'm just a picky eater. And like when I go to play, people's places, I'm like, I don't know what they're going to serve. And you guys are all like, yeah, but Phil, you can just force it. No, I've got this gag reflex, man. It stops stuff, you know? And like it was rough for me, like accepting invitations to go over to people's places. But now like you just. Yes, yes. I was like, all right, swing, swing through McDonald's on the way there, babe. No, but it's like one of those things we need to do this a little bit more. And honestly, sitting down at a meal with someone and having the conversation, you're going to practice kindness in ways. We're kind of out of practice in a lot of ways that can bring up some of our anxiety. And some of those situations, you're like, well, I don't know if I want to sit across the table from someone. Like, for how long is it going to be? And we have to talk the whole time? Like, are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, we're a little bit rusty. We should go back to some of that. We should figure that out a little bit, I think. I think it's very helpful. My second lesson um, <laughs> was when you watch The Kindness Diaries, you'll find that those who have the least to give the most. And it's true. I don't care if you're sitting there and you're like, I've got a ton and I give. The people who have the least give the most. It's staggering and humbling to watch. He comes into contact with this one guy who's barely, I mean, it's kind of funny because he is one of those guys, like he travels the world and he doesn't know other languages at all. And so like he goes everywhere <laughs> and he'll spend hours walking up to people. Do you speak English? And they're like, no. And he's like, all right, I can't talk to them. Do you speak? <laughs> and he just goes around. And it's quite painful sometimes. But he ends up connecting with this guy who was playing a guitar and singing a song. And he asked him if he could stay with him for the night. And he had asked a lot of other people. And they had all said no. Well, I have a roommate. Or, oh, no, like our place isn't clean. Or there's a lot of excuses. But he talks to this one guy. And this guy says, yes. And then so he follows him back, and he discovers that this guy plays guitar on the streets and is trying to you know, make money. They get back to where they're going to stay for the night, and it's a van. And inside the van is his wife and his daughter. And his wife makes art and sells it on the streets. And they go back, and he's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and he's like, does your wife know why I'm here like to stay with you guys tonight? And he's like, yeah, she knows, and it's OK. And then they talk a little bit more, and they're like, yeah, it's fine. So all four of them just sleep in the van that night together. And he gave him a place to stay for the night. And you watch it happen time and time and time again in the show. Now, I personally experienced this one time when I went to Juarez, Mexico, back when I was like in middle school. We took this bus down there, and we were driving this bus. And we, we wound up in this like pretty sketchy place. We're out there, and the bus just totally breaks down. And we're not going anywhere fast. And none of us know how to work on anything. And then this one guy says, oh, I can help you on your bus. 
you know? And he runs back and he gets a bunch of tools and he brings them out there and he works on the bus for hours on end, hours on end. And like he gets it going. And I watch my dad, who my dad is just this generous, like soft-hearted, like big-hearted dude. Um, he thanked this guy like profusely and then he tried to walk back with him to where he stayed and we got, we got a glimpse of where he was from and what he does and stuff. And my dad um, desperately wanted to pay him something. Like it's, it's in those moments like being in our Western culture, sometimes we don't even know what to give other than money. Like, <laughs> it's like, I mean, this is the nicest thing I can do for you right now. I don't even know what to do. So my dad just slipped him like a $20 bill. Um, and the guy was like bawling and crying and hugging him because that's more than he makes in like two months. That's what he told my dad. And my dad was like, well, here's another 20. You know what I mean? Like, like just, I mean, you worked for hours on our bus and you like got this whole thing going. But I'm dumbfounded <coughs> that the people who often have the least give the most. And I have so much and I can go through a day and I cannot be kind. And I have so much to be thankful for, grateful for, and I can be kind in so many ways throughout my day. And I know, I know in my heart of hearts that it would change me and that it would change the immediate world around me. I just know it would. And so I don't want to be the guy who has a lot who doesn't give hardly anything. I want to change that somehow. I want to flip that. And I want to be like, you know what? I've got a lot, and I can give a lot. I can be kind in so many ways. Now, third lesson um, that I got from watching The Kindness Diaries is just the word ask. Ask, ask, ask. I've had my own little pity party days when I get through the day, and I was like, well, no one was kind to me. Jeez, you know what I mean? I mean, there are plenty of opportunities for people to be kind to me today. Nobody did it for me. So... And sometimes my dad's pretty funny. My dad always says this goofy joke about the lottery. You know, I grew up in the Christian tradition, so every joke's about, like, God and stuff. And um, he's, he's always got this joke about, like, he, there's this guy, and he was always praying to God to win the lottery, win the lottery every day, every day, every day. And then finally God just came back and said, well, the least you could do is buy a ticket. You know, and, like, <laughs> yeah, my dad loves that one. Like, loves it. But it's like that idea of, did you ever just humble yourself and ask, though? Like, did you ever, like, put yourself in that position? I watched this guy go all around the world, and he just asks. And, like, as I watch, my comfort level is just kind of like, oh, my gosh. Like, I don't know that I could do that. You know? Like, that's hard to do. It really is. I think we take a lot of pride in being self-reliant and independent. And so even if a moment does come up when we could ask for someone to respond to us in kindness, we don't ask. It's very, very difficult. I went out to lunch with a friend recently, and I swear I'm not going to shed any tears when I say this, but I sat across the table from him, and I said, you know, man, I said, I only reach out to people and ask them to pray for me when I really need it. And he goes, do you need it right now? And I said, absolutely. 
would you please pray for me? And so we went out to his car and we prayed. Super hard to ask for that kind of stuff. Super hard. I joke around and I tell Ann, I told Ann and another friend recently, I said, you know, I could probably count on both hands how many times someone has literally in my presence, like prayed for me living here in 20 years. And um, it's funny because like, it's probably reflective of how many times I've asked, you know, and put myself in that position of actually being in need and asking someone could you respond to me with kindness? Could you do that for me? Because I really need that right now. I know in relationships, they always say you're not supposed to expect the other person to read your mind, right? That's, that's what gets everybody in trouble everywhere. It's like when you're like, yeah, but you should know me <coughs> that well. Like you should, and it's like, no. No one can read minds. And sometimes, us practicing kindness especially towards ourselves, is being willing to ask, being willing to put it out there and honestly say, right now, I could use a little dose of kindness. I could use that somehow in my life. Now, I have one other story about the asking. And this one's kind of weird, but I loved it. Um, I was having some bad days. And Silas has this group of friends that I'm so thankful that he found. And he's made it happen. And they're like a good, good group of solid friends. And they come over to our house, and they film the most bizarre videos, like ever. Um, if you want to subscribe to his channel on YouTube, go do it. Um, just this last weekend, they went and bought 200 chicken nuggets um, from Burger King. Cost 30-some dollars. That's pretty nasty right there. $30 for 200 chicken nuggets. They sat at our dining room table, and they dunked them in water and tried to mash them into one giant chicken nugget. <laughs> and then they proceeded to eat it and also throw up. And that's all recorded for your viewing pleasure. It's Silas Gallagher's channel on YouTube, OK? But here's what I find fascinating. They'll go into his room, because we've kind of set it up for like a recording studio, too. And they're like recording music in there and doing fun stuff and rapping and stuff. And this one kid comes out. And for whatever reason, he walks up to me and he goes, hey, Phil, um, do you have any like, do you have any books I could read? And I was like, yeah. Like, this is totally catching me off guard. This is like a high school male student, like just pulling me aside. Hey, do you have any books I can? Yeah, I, I, I do like, I mean, like, what kind of what books are you looking for? Like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I mean, I used to read a lot back in like grade school and stuff. And then, I don't know, I'm just looking for some books that I can read that'll maybe like help me and, I mean, make me a little smarter. <laughs> like, I just, I just want to read some stuff. And we just don't have many books at my house. We just don't have a lot of books. And I'm like, I'm going to get you books, man. Like, I've got books, OK? So before you leave today, down on the table, there's going to be a pile of books. And you're going to take those books. Keep them as long as you want. You read those books. So then I like go into my room, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, what kind of books should I give a high school student that he could like read? So I start pulling out all these books. And most of them had the word love in it. 
Like I gave him this book, Love Wins. I gave him this book, book called Love Does. Um, I gave him, um, oh, what was the one with the dude who moves out to the wilderness in Alaska in the bus? Into the Wild. I gave him Into the Wild. Um, and I gave him just a bunch of, like seven books. And like I, he came downstairs and I was like, hey, man, here's these books. And I just saw the smile on his face and made my whole day worth it. I'm not even going to lie. Like, the rest of my day was amazing simply because of that one moment, him asking, me being able to give something like that. And then the next time I bumped into him, he was like, dude, I I read the book Love Wins. He's like, I really liked it. He's like, that was so cool. And he's like, I'm going to read that, uh, the river one next or Into the Wild one next. I want to read that one. And I was like, that's awesome, man. And I was like, you just get him back to me whenever you can. But I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with sometimes how our own self-reliance and independence gets in the way of kindness ever taking place or ever kind of happening. I mean, I've literally driven by people, and they've been broken down on the side of the road, and I'm in a hurry, and I don't stop. And I kind of think somewhere in the back of my head, like, I mean, I've got AAA. They should too, you know? Like, like sometimes that kind of stuff pops in. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) responsible, right? We all need to be... It's like, man, if we could just get back to getting out of that place of not practicing kindness and just showing up for one another in even the smallest ways. I mean, sharing books is not a difficult thing to do, right? Having a conversation across a dinner table is not a difficult thing to do. If you could reach out to a friend and say, hey, I could really just use like you in my life for like an hour today. Like, that would be great. That would mean the world to me. Like, all of those things, that kind of experience, that kind of practicing kindness can move us forward in ways that I can't even really imagine. So I've got two main questions for you. In your own life, do you allow others to respond to you in kindness? Is that a difficult thing for you? I know a lot of people that it is a difficult thing to do. I'm a two on the Enneagram, I think. And like, I'm a giver. And so like receiving is like one of the toughest things for me to do. And you might be that person too. Or you might have just crowded out of your life because of all of your responsibility irresponsibleness and and who you are like you might not have opportunities in your life where you can actually receive kindness because you don't put yourself in that place so I would task you between now and next more to life with this first question to put yourself in that place somehow I gave this homework assignment a long time ago it was in Fight Club I watched the movie Fight Club I love Fight Club I think it's a great movie but the first lesson in Fight Club or assignment, homework assignment, was to go start a fight with somebody and to lose. And so like what you're doing right now is for you to experience some kindness, I would love you to put yourself in the place where you actually have to receive it, right? And I don't know what that's going to look like for you in your life, but it could look like a whole lot of things. It could be asking, or it could just be putting yourself in a position where on this day, like, all right, kindness is going to happen for me. I'm going to figure this out, and we're going to look at it, and I'm not going to do that thing 
yeah, I have money to do that, but maybe I'll ask for it. I don't know. Like whatever it's going to look like for you to kind of like step into that vulnerable position of receiving kindness. Second one is, does our own sense of self-reliance cause us to engage others with less kindness? Do you literally, because of who you are and all that you have, look at other people and respond to them with less kindness? That whole idea that those who have less actually give more. Like, because we have so much sometimes, do we actually respond less? I can't remember the last time I paid for someone's groceries. Actually, I can. It was probably when my dad gave me that $100 bill and I gave it to that dude and I bought him some food or whatever. But, like, there's just so many ways that we could do things for one another and it doesn't have to be money. And so, like, I would task you too. I would love for you to give some kindness between this MTL and the next MTL. Intentionally. You're, like, plotting this out, okay? You're, like, going to go home. You're going to create a 10-step plan to, like, interfere with somebody and give them kindness. And you're going to make it happen. And I would love it to not be someone you know. Because that's even harder. But if you can't go that far, that's cool. You can do it to somebody you know. I get it, I get it, I get it. But it's pretty awesome when it's like someone you don't even know. It's like plotting kindness out there in the world. The best things that we do often take like time, energy, focus, attention, like planning, like money, all of that stuff. Kindness, put it there. Do something between this time and next time. Make it happen. Um, I'm going to pass out for you guys. And this is coming from, this is how Kay Atterbury inspired me. Is she still here? Oh, yeah, OK. I don't have my glasses on. You were kind of blurry. <laughs> Kay's right there. So Kay, like a year ago, Kay sent me this calendar, this random acts of kindness calendar. And I was like, what is this thing, you know? And then so I, I printed it up. And I can't remember if I brought it here to MTL or not. I printed up the month of February for you guys. So you're leaving here tonight with this calendar that's from randomactsofkindness.org, right? If you want to check out some kindness stuff and all of your plotting that you're going to be doing, this website has videos, stories, classes, um, like all kinds of inspiration on their website. And they have a full calendar that's called the Random Acts of Kindness calendar that you can download. And each day has something on it for you to practice and do. And they're like, you know, take it to your workplace and try and make some of this happen. They have team activities, so you can actually team up with someone and do some stuff if you don't want to do it totally solo. But it's a full year of random acts of kindness. And, and I mean, it just keeps getting better. But the week of February 16th to the 22nd is the random acts of kindness week. Like nationally, guys. Nationally. It's in February. So we're doing this at the right time. Okay? So you've got a full week here where it's like, oh, every day, just like go crazy, crazy with kindness. Some of the stuff on this calendar that I wanted to highlight for you, um, just so you know what it's like, like when I hand it to you, like you're like, whoa. So today is February 4th. It's Tuesday. On here, it says free day. How can you show love today? They don't tell you to do anything. It's just like, how can you? Um, tomorrow, 
Make sure everyone in meetings today feels included. That's what you're looking out for that day. Um, on Thursday, listen to your heart. Make at least one decision today based on what your heart is telling you. So sometimes it's like kind of almost self-kindness too, right? Self-kindness. Um, let someone merge in front of you in traffic today. That's on February 15th. Okay? <laughs> oh, man. Um, on February 24th, give a co friend or coworker a book that has impacted you in a positive way. Um, February 29th, leap year, what, what? Not a single wedding for me on February 29th. And I thought, this would be a high demand kind of day. But anyway. <laughs> I know. I thought it was going to be great. Um, February 29th, though, give someone your vote of confidence today. I read that as give someone the benefit of the doubt today, right? Um, February 24th, no, February 25th was take a deep breath and smile knowing that you're loved today. Um, February 20th, prepare a meal for someone struggling at work. Uh, February 22nd, leave money at the vending machine so someone can enjoy a free treat. All kinds of little goofy stuff, right? And over here on the side, just so you know, it's got a quote from Brene Brown. Um, and it just says, what most of us fail to understand is that vulnerability is also the cradle of the emotions and experiences that we crave. Vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, courage, empathy, and creativity. And a lot of times, I mean, we talked about vulnerability just a couple talks ago. But kindness is really linked up with vulnerability. Because you're making yourself vulnerable when you're practicing it towards someone and also when you're asking for it or <coughs> receiving it. So it's kind of that place where you do have to be a little vulnerable and you have to say, OK, but let's experience some kindness. Let's go there. Let's make this possible. So tonight, when you leave, I want you to grab this calendar for February 2020. If you so desire, just hop online and go back and get the rest of the year too, or go to that website and get some inspiration for whatever you're going to plot, whatever you're going to make happen, whatever you're going to make kindness happen in action out there. So um, I'm trying to look at that. What time is it, guys? 6.50 something? What? Yeah? All right. So tonight... Your homework, should you still accept it? I mean, you guys have to go like receive kindness, <coughs> give kindness. I would love for you to check out the Kindness Diaries if you want to watch it and get some feel-good vibes and like just see what this guy does. Also, check out the website. And then I have one last story for you that comes from, comes from students. This is like my favorite story when it comes to like someone really just taking one for the team kind of. <laughs> but... There's this story that I always used to tell, especially grade students, about this one boy who just couldn't um, figure out how to get to the bathroom quick enough in like third grade, right? And so this boy was notoriously known for peeing his pants and kind of made fun of and things would happen and it just wasn't that great. Um, this was also in a school where they had, you know, class pets and stuff like that. And so they had a fish. And Believe it or not, this boy was like in the back of the room and he had like 
peed his pants again, and he was standing in the back of the room, didn't want to turn around, didn't want to have to face anything, didn't want to have to do the embarrassment. And the teacher asked this little girl to go back and feed the fish. And when she got back there, she saw he had peed his pants. And out of an act of kindness, she picks the bowl up, and she walks over to him, and she spills the bowl all over the front of his pants. <laughs> and she says, oh, teacher, teacher, I'm so sorry. I spilled this, this whole, I spilled the fishbowl on, on so-and-so. Can he go change? Can he go change? So sweet. So nice. I'm telling you, if we will stop and open our eyes and look around through a simple, ordinary day, there are more than enough opportunities for us to practice kindness in a single day. And I know it's going to have an impact on you. I know it does on me. And of course, it'll have an impact on the people around you. I mean, I think of here, and I just think, man, just dust somebody's car off. You know? Like, I mean, that's pretty easy to do, and that's pretty normal around here to, like, need. You know? That's a pretty straight-up normal thing. Um, there's so many things that we could do. So I would encourage you, check out these websites, look for some ideas and that kind of stuff. June. I just want to say it was last year when I came to one of your talks and you had said to go out in, like, the grocery store or Walmart or Target, somebody helped you look at their name tag and say thank you, you know, Bill or whatever. And, you know, I've been doing that since that talk. And I especially do it, I, I'm very active up at Copper Mountain and I speed with a bunch of 50 plus people. And so, like, when the guy with the T-bar comes down, you know, they have a name tag, and I say, hey, thanks, you know, Damien, or whatever his name is. And it's amazing, once you start to do that in a group of people, yeah. how many other people start to thank the ladies. And, you know, that's a really, you know, thankless job. You know, they probably get 12 bucks an hour. But, I mean, just saying thank you at City Market or at Target or Walmart, but, like, now I'm trying to, like, because I've done it since you had that Sure, job. sure, sure. And... If I can pronounce their name. <laughs> <laughs> and part of, you know, I just do it at the mountain. And some idiot said, oh, well, you're trying to be friends with the ladies or something? And I'm like, no, I said, that is a freezing cold, thankless job. You know, it was like six today up at Copper. And I said, just, I said, just thanking them. I said, that goes a long way yep. to making their day. And so now, like, my mission is, like, to get all these, like, the group is called All the Mill Gang. And so, like, <clears throat> with the people I am, to try to, I came home like last week or something and my trash was not taken. I set it out, you know, and it was still in there. And it's Timberline Trash <laughs> Services. <laughs> <laughs> So at the end of the day, I'm really pissed. And I'm just like, man, come on. So I call him up the next day. And I'm like, Phil, all right, just be kind, 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 be kind. And I start talking with her. And I'm like, hey, I'm just calling. Um, my trash didn't get picked up. And like, so we have this whole conversation. And, and I'm talking with her. And we both just start laughing. And then the next thing you know, it's been like 15 minutes. And um, at the end of the conversation, she goes, can I just thank you? And I said, why? And she said, you're the first person who didn't call me screaming at me this morning. 
And she's like, I've had about 30 other phone calls because the trash wasn't picked up. And you know that we don't pick up trash a lot. <laughs> so she's like, I just wanted to thank you, though, for not like just berating me over the phone. And I said, you're welcome, you know? She's like, we're going to pick up your trash first. I was like, I don't believe that. <laughs> but, OK. I called them the end of that second day when it hadn't been picked up. Yeah. She was like, well, we, first thing in the morning, everyone's you know, we're coming or whatever. And she's like, can I just say, your husband, Phil, is the nicest person I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so anyway. Go make America kind again. That's our like superpower. We get to do this, and we can do it. It's our ability. We lift this place as much as we do this. Like, and as much as we choose not to do it, we bring it down at the same time. Peggy, what's up? <laughs> no. <laughs> there's a whole lot more kindness going on. There is. And, but we don't talk about it. We yep. don't share it. We don't see what can happen. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, like, again, we don't ask for it. And sometimes we're a little rusty and we haven't practiced it in a while. But the more that we can kind of get back into those places, uh, I think the better off we'll all, all be. So thank you guys for being here tonight. Grab some more dessert. Grab some stuff. We'll see you at More to Life next time. I'm going to put this um, back there by the dessert. Yeah, we'll just put it back there. Wait. Oh, yeah, and next week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. So next week on Wednesday night, I'm doing a building help. Um, I'm doing a building help talk as well. It's going to be an hour and a half long. It's going to be here. It's going to be in these two rooms. Um, I'm actually talking about being a compassionate mess towards yourself. And so the whole idea next Wednesday, honestly, is self-kindness. It's self-compassion. Uh, hopefully that night I'm going to give people at least seven practices that you can actually try on that night a little bit um, and that you can also carry away with you just to kind of embrace your own compassionate mess a little bit. I think a lot of times people are like, man, I'm just waiting to get my groove in life. I'm just waiting to kind of like hit that place and, and find that normal and be that thing. And I feel like one of the first steps that we miss um, is the golden rule, which it says to be kind to other people as you are towards yourself. There's this whole idea that you're supposed to love other people as you love yourself. And sometimes the very first step in that process is loving yourself. Um, and we skip over that one pretty frequently. And I'm a pretty big self-critic, so I know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, so it'll be here next Wednesday night. What, what? Yeah, I'll send out a reminder for that one. And I think it's like, and I think you honestly, you're supposed to go like online to Building Hope and register. Because the thing that helps Building Hope, the thing that like we don't do, we have zero data for more to life. You know what I mean? And um, Building Hope relies on that data to keep those grants in place, to keep that funding. And so when you register, it allows them to track things and compile data in a way 
that keeps them moving forward. So log on to buildinghope.com and register for that talk if you want to come to it. I think it's going to be 6 to 7.30. We'll have desserts and drinks like normal, but it'll be a little bit bigger and that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we'll see you at the next More to Life if we don't see you there. All right? So go. Make America kind again. Make Summit County kind again. <laughs> right? Jeez.